Hello, and welcome to another edition of Dual Candle Radio with Lenora Sarver. We're going to have a great show tonight. Thanks for hanging out with me. Stay tuned in. All right, let's get this started. I'll tell you one thing. I have been super excited all week. God gave me a title for today's message, for today's show, and it's called The Simplicity of Testimony. Now, you'd think that'd be enough said right there, okay? Uh, It's been a pleasure. See you next week. But I'm going to go into it further. And I've been super excited. Uh, And I'm about to tell you why. I know by now. Everyone has heard, has been following the revival in Ansbury College in Kentucky. There's so much to learn from this. There is a lot. And I want to go into that. I want to go into where God is taking us with all this. And then I also want to go into the simple things, the simplicity of serving God, of just being still before him. You know, all these things are super important. There's so much weight the body is carrying right now for Christ that is really unnecessary. And I'm hoping after this show, you'll be able to take some of the weights off like I was able to take some of the weights off. But you know, I I did not attend It's a six-hour drive for me. I very well could have attended, but I did not attend. And a lot of people are like, well, why? Don't you need another dose of the Holy Ghost? It's like, well, I could always need a dose of the Holy Ghost. But then whenever you finally get perfected in Christ is when you realize you are waking up in the Holy Ghost. You are sleeping in the Holy Ghost. You don't step out of the Holy Ghost. You stay there and you learn to dwell there. And if any of you are wondering how to do this, let that be your spiritual goal. Pray that you walk in the Holy Spirit. You never step out of it. The importance of letting Jesus come and make his abode and letting the helper live within you. I cannot stress that enough because it gives you an unusual resilience to make it through life circumstances, to take a beating and keep moving forward because it's like you don't feel the pain because you're in the spirit. But one of the reasons why I didn't go and attend is I could actually watch what they were doing and feel the Holy Spirit where I am. I didn't have to just load up in the car and go and have this experience for the first time in my life. I've known, I've lived in this for a good majority of my life. So I was blessed just watching them get blessed. And I know the spirit that is there because I felt revivals like that in my younger years. So just thinking back the memories of when I was growing up, I was actually um, at the time attending a church, it was a Baptist church in Bristol, Tennessee. And I remember the first time I went to that church. I'm walking in the yard and I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, this is church, all right. 
It wasn't until I got to the front step and then I realized, oh wow, oh what is that? Literally, I felt the presence of God. It was so strong. I had to back up because at that time, I was 16 years old, but at that time, I was into witchcraft. I was doing all this stuff, you know. I was not trying to really serve and be loyal to Jesus or God or any of that right then because I was busy doing the devil's work. Well, I remember standing back for a couple minutes thinking, oh, wow, this is greater power than what I have been dealing with. And I cannot walk any further into this church. It literally felt like I was going to blow up into a ball of fire right there on the front steps. And I had to stand back for a few minutes like, okay, this is pure. This is holy. Before I even go in, I need to repent. That's the first thing I thought. Now, deep into witchcraft, standing at the front step of this church, realizing I can't walk through this with all this sin on me. So I stepped back, and I, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know anything about what to do. I just knew the witchcraft stops here. It stops today. It stops this very moment, and we are not moving forward. And I knew I needed to get down on my knees and get this done before I proceeded forth. I didn't want anything to cause any difficulties in the atmosphere. So once I did that, once I repented, and I made a promise to myself, the witchcraft stops here, then I was able to proceed forth and walk into the church. And that was the church I got saved at. Because the entire congregation pulled together. And I'm at the altar. Still, I don't know everything what to do. But I'm repenting and I'm, I'm, I have this one person that's walking me through the prayer of salvation. And I look up and behind me and I see everybody in that church. There's not nobody left in the pews. And they're all behind me, knelt down, trying to fight that I received salvation at that moment. And I did. And I did. I didn't necessarily receive the actual Holy Spirit that moment. That was a ways later. But at that time is when I experienced the presence of God. So I knew from that moment what it was, how to identify it, and what it would feel like and what it would sense like, in a sense, whenever I encountered it again. But it was that very same church. We had revivals all the time, and they never ended. It felt like they would go on for days and days, and I remember how good I felt and how on fire I felt and how everything was just amazing. And I had totally forgotten about that because a couple years after that, I got into some more messes and I backslid. So I never thought I could go back and count that as a part of my walk, my testimony. Well, after this week, after God took me back, memory lane, Ah, and that's when I knew I could do it. I could pull that in. I could use that a part of my own testimony. And whenever I saw 
on video what was going on in that little college in Kentucky. That's what it took me back to. It took me back to Bristol, Tennessee, that little Baptist church that I got saved, and all the revivals and things that we had there and all the amazing things that we'd had happen. But another thing that I've been doing is praying for revival in my own area, in the area of Northeast Ohio. I would love for this area to experience a real actual move so I can actually go and experience it again firsthand here. I would love for this area to operate in that from this point forward. But you see, there's some key takeaways here besides, you know, just the memories and the watching from here and, you know, the praying for my area. There's some key takeaways here that God is pressing upon me to tell the people. Let's get started. Okay, one of the things that I'd shared on my own profile um, on Facebook was a documentary from 1970, Ansbury uh, Revival. And that spawned across the states. You know, it blew up like wildfire. And the interesting thing is there was no music except for, you know, singing. There was no guest speakers, there was no pastors, there was no famous preachers, there was none of that. It was the raw, unedited move of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I try to press upon the people. You don't need all that extra jazz to get people to come in there. You look at, if you watch what they're doing right now, they had miles, close to miles, I think uh, last night they had uh, a half mile long line of people coming in from all over. And it kind of makes you rethink about your services, rethink about your strategies, rethink about how flashy you feel like you need to be to get the people in there. These people had less than a week's notice and they was at the door. We don't have to be like the world. We don't have to go out there and be flashy and, you know, have all these entertaining services to get people in there. The people are hungry for God. They're hungry for his spirit. So <laughs> as long as the spirit is dwelling there, God is going to pull in the people. Hello. But here's something that I noticed when I was watching the documentary in 1970. Besides that there was no, none of the flashy entertainment. And technically, whenever you're in the spirit of God, none of that matters anyways. <laughs> because you're in the prime place to be in this entire existence is in the presence of God. There's no worry. There's no fretting. There's no fear. There's none of that. I don't know how many times, especially the last couple of years, that people have been in fearful situations and a break like this coming through is like drinking from a fountain after you've been out in the desert for God knows how long. The people are parched. But what, what was interesting is all they were up there doing is sharing their testimonies. That's it. Simple, huh? Well, there's power in that, and I'm about to point it out in this episode. <clears throat> See, people love relating to one another. 
And that's one of the power that I've noticed in, in them getting up there speaking their testimony is all throughout the crowd, people were listening, but they were listening closely to how does that pertain to me? How can God do for me what he did for you? The whole time they're questioning, how do I fit into this? Where do I fit into this? Does God have a place for me? And these people getting up, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit is taking over and telling these individuals who are testifying of their testimony certain wording to get directly to the hearts and ears of the people who are questioning, how do I fit in? Is this for me? Does God really love me this much? And I tell you, just by doing prophecy for as long as I have online, and then I do, you know, prophecy phone conferences and, you know, going on the radio and doing prophecy, people love to talk about themselves. You know, I've actually went into a phone call an hour and a half, and then after the hour and a half, then they asked, oh, how are you doing? <laughs> it really, it wasn't about me. But still, you could tell they realized, oh my God, I've been talking about myself this whole time, etc. And that's actually interesting to listen to what people are saying about themselves because, you know, they're surrounded by friends, they're surrounded by family, they're surrounded by coworkers, but no one really genuinely listens to one another as to how we are really doing. To hear someone say, how are you, is so just plastic anymore. There's no genuineness. There's no love. There's no, hey, let me wait a minute and actually hear your answer. It's, oh, how are you? Okay, yeah, fine. Mm -hmm, bye. And it's so much more than that. And whenever I talk to some of these people, they're so happy to have someone just listen to everything going on in their life. And to the point, it doesn't matter if I'm a stranger. <laughs> you know, one of the things that God has given me in the gifting is like a safety. People always feel safe and they always feel like they can open up. And then the majority of them, and this is like a repeat thing, <clears throat> the majority of them, they catch themselves, oh my God, I don't even know you, but I hear I am pouring my heart out to you. And I really feel that it's the presence of God where two or more, especially if two or more agree. And I feel that that is part of the safety that they are feeling is this individual has a presence and I want, I want that. I want to feel loved. I want to be enveloped in the safety of the Lord. I want to be held. You know, I want to be rocked back and forth by saying, yes, it's okay. It's all right. You're going to make it through. These are all the things that God does for us in some of our worst moments. But what's interesting is, I was reading a post about people calling the college and asking, hey, uh, can I lend my services? Now, these are professional, famous singers, leaders, you know, whichever. And they're like, yeah, well, you can come into the back, and if we have a place, you're welcome. But our college kids are pretty much leading everything through the Holy Spirit, and that's how we're leaving it. I loved how they protected the purity of this 
<clears throat> that was amazing. I feel like if you find something from God, protect it. Don't let it slip away. Keep it as long as it will go. The people need, they need the purity. They need the move. So it was interesting that the titles meant nothing. You could have been the most famous person in the world, the best singer in the world, and they'd still offer you a position or a place in the back. And that says a lot. Because it's not about all your accomplishments. It's not about all your certifications and all your titles. I mean, all that is excess. That whenever we do get into the presence of God, none of that's going to matter. And we all need to put it down the altar. Be still before the Lord. Because that is what matters. But you see... Every one of us is promised a testimony from God. That is one of the promises he gives those. Because whenever he brings you in, whenever he grants you salvation, whenever you say, I repent of my sins, and I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, be Lord and Savior. Ah, God brings miracles with that. He brings transformation. He brings a move. I wished people knew how powerful our testimonies really are. And before the end of this show, you are going to be equipped with the knowledge of knowing how powerful the simplicity of testimony is. I'm going to take a quick break. Be right back to finish out the show. See you in a moment. All right. Welcome back. Let's finish this out. You know what I was saying before break? Is one of the promises from God is our testimony. And if we have to look back at the past, our past, I know a lot of people, they don't like to look back at their past because their past was horrible. They have a lot of events, you know, that they don't want to think back on. Okay, let's not think about that part. Let's think about how God delivered us, how God transformed us, how Jesus came and gave us salvation of our testimony. Always keep fresh with your testimony. Especially when you're down and out and you don't feel like God's listening or something's not happening fast enough or the world's crumbling around you or circumstances hard pressing you at all sides. Revert back to the testimony. Remember, if God did it then, he will do it again. Keep your testimonies fresh. This I will explain more later, but you will see exactly why our testimonies are very important. Now we have those who create false testimonies. Oh, God did all these amazing things and nothing, none of that happened. But it's very difficult to know 
because it is a testimony from them. So it's difficult to say, oh, well, yeah, God didn't do that. Just hold yourself in place because this is how you find out. Those who are writing off of a false testimony has zero transforming power. And I will say it again, zero transforming power. That means they can express their testimony to you and it has zero effect because it's not real. It's false. One of the things that Jesus promised, signs and wonders follows as a confirmation of what is God's. So if somebody comes to you and they're speaking their genuine testimony to you, there will be saving grace, power, transformation, salvation, and a godly sorrow that leads to true, authentic repentance. Folks, this is the call to the nation right now. Because I see all these stories right now. Oh, is this Ansbury Revival going to save the nation? This, that, and the other. What's going to save the nation is you get on your knees and you repent. And God will come and heal this land. But until this happens, it's going to be catastrophe after catastrophe, storm after storm, issue after issue, until the people wake up and realize we need to repent. Because it's not the government all the time. It's not the climate change all the time. It's not, oh, well, these people want their rights, but these people don't want them to have their rights. No. It's the lack of repentance. God sends messengers. Those messengers get beat up, ignored, pushed aside. He's using me now as a messenger. Do you hear me? But here's what Jesus has to say. Because then he wants to also address those who are looking specifically for the signs and wonders before they repent, before they believe, before they actually lay down their sinful lifestyles and serve Jesus. John chapter 4 Verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will not believe. Okay, now let's roll it back a second. One of the marking confirmations of what is God is there will be signs and wonders. Okay. That's if you have the eyes to see. But don't solely, specifically look for just that. We still have to look for the presence of God, the transforming power of God, the transforming power of salvation through Jesus Christ, who went to the cross and died on our behalf, or actually died in place of us. But he says right here, people see signs and wonders. And you have people who actually bounce from church to church to get that good feeling. They actually bounce and look for those signs and wonders because they feel like that's the saving grace. No, actually the saving grace is going to be in what I'm getting ready to talk about. Jesus, if you keep reading in chapter 4, it says, Jesus asked miracle seeker to act in trusting faith. He never did answer the miracle seeker with a miracle. Yet, the miracle seeker 
put down the seeking of the miracles and trusted in faith <laughs> and became very obedient from that moment forward. So we have the signs and wonders as a confirmation of those who are of God. And we also have the signs and wonders that should not be sidetracking us to where we are solely seeking after them. The point is to be still, seek God, His Holy Spirit, His presence, more of Jesus, less of us, in a trusting faith. When's the last time you actually had a trusting faith? Say your rent was due. You had no idea how you were going to pay it. You went to work every day. You put in your 40 hours. You're thinking about picking up another job. But still, the rent is due and you believe in Jesus. Is your faith going to be wavering? Are you going to be having a meltdown? I know I have. It took a process. It took time. It took me seeing the Lord move on my behalf. And then I began trusting him more and more my faith increased because I wasn't believing in some God that they made up 2,000 years ago wasn't real I was believing in something very real and every person walking out of this revival who has been touched by God can say hey yes he's real and I tell you that's one of the most satisfactory recognitions most satisfactory feelings is Getting in here with this Jesus and this faith and realizing it's real. It's not a big story. It's nothing that the people of the world told you. It is real. That is amazing. Ah. Trusting faith. I need you to think about that. I need you to meditate on that. I need you to figure out, do you have it? And if you don't, I need you in prayer, seeking the Lord on how to form this and perfect it in you. If a miracle seeker who's only bouncing around for the good feeling, the miracle, the signs, the wonders, if he can lay it all down, for just the presence, the trusting faith, you can too. I mean, God, he uses a multiple of things to confirm what is his and to get your attention. And especially if you read about all the prophets and stuff throughout the Bible, they all spoke strange. You know, even I get tripped up. I still stutter. You know, I've been praying and praying. God would just take it from me. But no, he leaves it there. <laughs> and I'm like, Why? He says, to confound the wise. I can definitely say that the Ansbury Revival right here, right now, have confound the wise of this faith right here, right now. Just through the simplicity. Simplicity of testimony. Because what we're doing is we're stirring up the spirit, which in turn creates healing and can create miracles, and can create more signs. But the sole basis that we need to be focusing on is the presence, the Spirit, Jesus. Because once we get to heaven, 
we're not going to have all this extra. It's just going to be God and everything about him. I can't, I can't wait because this is going to be amazing. I see already what is happening and I get super excited. Anytime I get the chance to see God move, especially after my eyes have been opened and my understanding had been opened by Jesus and I was finally able to observe, recognize, identify. That was amazing. And now I'm constantly looking out, looking for him, looking for him. What's he doing? Where's he at? <laughs> Trying to find more of him somewhere. That's just what happens when you truly love someone. Is you want to know everything about them. And you want to know what makes them sad. You want to know what makes them happy. You want to know how can you make them smile. And you'll go to whatever end, whatever length to get it done. Because you love him. Oh, I encourage you. Don't be the one that performs all these miracles in his name. And then get to heaven and have him say, depart from me. I never knew you. Focus on him. And all the rest of this will come. <clears throat> but, you know, thinking back over all this. And so many times we're so tempted to just go along with the, you know, the worldly ways of conducting ministry. And yes, I say worldly ways. Because God doesn't need us to be doing half the stuff that we're doing. It was such a relief for me to think, I can take off the limits. I don't have to worry about being famous. I don't have to worry about being beautiful. I don't have to worry about being all this extra stuff, having an amazing gift and being placed on a pedestal. No. All that to me is meaningless anyways. And thinking about this, you know, it just takes you back. You're like, man, here I am trying to put in all this extra work when it's not even necessary. We can take the, the Mary Martha and just stay at Jesus' feet. That is what is necessary. That is what the call is. And that is it. No more, no less. And titles. You know, whether if we were this huge bishop or prophet or whatever on earth, the same truth still applies. First on earth, last in heaven. I will gladly be last here. Even if my messages, my writing, prophecies, whatever, is never remembered from this day forward. I'm perfectly fine as long as I know I have Jesus. Because that's all that matters. It's not about the great things you can do, the great person you can be. It's about Him. And that takes so many of the limits off to where you can actually breathe. You can relax your shoulders. You don't feel like you're bearing the weight of the world anymore because you finally came into the proper perspective of where your attention needed to be to begin with. And it feels amazing. 
giving up fame and worldly riches. Mm. You know, I remember when I first started out, uh, after I, let's see, got saved at 16, backslid, came back in my early 30s. And I remember some of the churches that I was talking to then, and they're like, ah, oh, you got great things ahead of you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they're like, no, you're going to be rich. You're going to be famous. You know, anybody who comes to the Lord, they'll be driving Cadillacs. They'll be having big ministries. And I'm sitting here thinking, huh? I don't want any of that. And I'm like, you know, I'm just coming out of working for Satan, being a drug dealer, making more than a doctor makes all year in one month. Uh, and I wasn't famous, I was infamous. So, none of that did anything for me. It sent me to prison. And if you guys try to lure me in with rich and famous mumbo-jumbo, you done lost me. Because the devil tried to do that, and he lost me. Because I went back to Jesus once the devil put me in prison. And whenever I left prison, because I lost everything. You know, they came in, they, they wiped me out. And land, houses, cars, everything. Because you can work a lifetime and be wiped out in seconds. Especially if you had your gains ill-gotten. So here I am, coming back to Jesus. And whenever I finally got out of prison, I did my time. All I had left out of everything was a Bible in my hand, the shirt that the prison gave me, the jacket the prison gave me, and I felt like I was rich. But it wasn't in worldly possessions. I was rich in Him. And the richness you have in Him is a need for nothing because you know you are serving a God who will attend to your every need and provide you everything and go ahead and get things going before because he sees the path ahead before you face deeper circumstances. We serve that God, the God of everything. We basically, we can actually be owner of nothing and access to everything through God and be just fine because we have him. That was the kind of rich that I felt leaving. It wasn't worldly possessions rich. It was rich because I knew what I had access to. That I could actually look up to heaven and be heard and hear him. There is no monetary value to place on that. And that was another reason that I didn't go. Is because God's like, you have access to me every day. These people have never experienced me. I said, you know what, Lord? I'm not going to fill up. I'm not going to clog that altar with my presence. I will stay here in your presence, and I will leave that altar wide open for them. So those people who have never experienced you can experience you. I have no problems taking the back seat stepping out the way, sitting in the back of the auditorium, it doesn't matter. Because you see, God taught me how to seek Him. He's taught me how to stir up the Spirit. 
He taught me how to do it right here in my own home. May he teach you. Mm. But let's look into some scripture. And what I really miss is my old uh, Bible because it was actually, it was given to me by... um, A family member who had passed away and it was broken up into five books to where it was easy access I loved using it especially whenever I was um, a radio show host for World Harvest Radio I loved using that because it was quick access I, all I had to do was open up the pages that I'd already marked prior and boom but with this one it's about ready to fall apart too just like the last one <laughs> but hey if you have a Bible in your hands that's falling apart, that is a good sign. That means you're actually getting in there. You're trying to figure out who this God is that loved you enough to save you from your own sins, from your own path of destruction. So let's look at... Let's look at Acts. Um, chapter 10. And I guess we can start at 34. So Acts chapter 10, we're going to start at verse 34. And it says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't the title, the accomplishments, the certification, the pieces of paper. Those are all just simple validations from man. That is not going to increase your faith. That is not going to increase your chances for solid salvation. What increases your faith and your chances for that is keeping Jesus first and foremost. Living a life that glorifies him. And it's not like you have to do that in your own energy, your own power. He sent the Holy Spirit, the helper, to make this life that he's expecting doable. To make the impossible possible. Let's look at verse 35. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. But in every nation, it says. Not like America is any different than any other nation. Because one of the things I'm praying for is this revival pushes past the American borders. And if you read throughout chapter 10, it's talking about how salvation is more than for just the Jew. That's when he's talking about the Gentiles and stuff like that. Um... And that's where, you know, he's not a respecter of persons comes in. That's where every nation that feareth him comes in. Because he's trying to talk to everyone across the world and bring them the testimony of Jesus, which in turn leads to salvation. And it's just amazing how God takes the limits off. He takes the excess off. 
because we have so much that we're trying to do in, in Jesus' name. But which work will be recognized? Which work will be blessed? Which work on the day of the Lord will be, well done, my good and faithful servant? I'll tell you right now, look over your ministries. Look over your walks in this faith. Is everything as necessary as you think? And did God tell you to do all this extra? We are in pruning season right now. You look at the seasons. You look at what time we are in the year. Whenever I was an apple farmer growing up, this is the time of year where I went out and pruned the apple trees so I could have a good harvest. What pruning can you do in your own lives, in your own ministries, so you can have a good harvest? If you have not noticed anything else about this revival, the people are hungry. And it says in scripture, the fields are ripe. Yes, those are for those who don't know him. But these are people who want to know him, who want the transformation, who want his presence. And they're coming for miles and miles. The whole world is watching what's happening. And I don't want to say they're jealous, but I do sense that in the atmosphere. Put it aside. God has got something for you too. It's not that he's favoring us more. It's not that he can't favor you. Get in alignment. Prep your atmosphere. Because basically, as long as God is there, as long as his presence is there, that will bring the people in. Keep him first and foremost. And do away with your choreographed sermons. Do away with anything that doesn't have the presence of God. So if you can go through and prune, do it prayerfully. Let God guide your shears or scissors or whatever you're using to prune. Even if it's just, you know, cutting things out of your life. Let God lead you there. Because as long as we're in His Spirit, we're walking with Him. Nothing is going to move us. Nothing is going to uproot us. There is ah, power and resilience in His Spirit. Let's roll back to Acts chapter 4. There's something I want to talk about in there. Yeah, let's see. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Now, depending on the type of Bible you have, It'll say witness or testimony. It just depends. 
Either way, it's the same thing. But a lot of people are overlooking the power of our testimony. They're forgetting about it. They're moving forward. They're getting caught up in the circumstance. They, they're too far out. Go back. Rekindle that flame. This is how you do it. But this is what we are supposed to do. Is go around and testify. There's another uh, part that I want to verify with that real fast. And that's going to be in Luke. We're going to be in chapter 8. As soon as I can find it, we'll be doing good. Okay. So we're going to be in chapter 8. We're going to be in verse 39. Now, mind you, you know, devils just got cast out. Basically, miracles were performed. And this was the response after that. It wasn't, hey, thank you, please donate into my website. It was, hey, bottom line, without being spoken, but in so many words, it's about Jesus. I've died to self. Go keep, keep it going about Jesus. But this is what the verse actually says. It says, return to thine own house and show, shoo, how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Folks, again, this was a testimony. And he published it. He let everybody know what Jesus had done. We have to get back to the basis here. We are losing our grasp on getting the world to understand and know Jesus. We're losing our representation. Too busy trying to entertain. When the only thought we need to really entertain is how to center our world, life, mind, words, thoughts around Jesus. Making him the center. I can't stress that enough. But here, we're getting ready to lock and load this entire message. I'm going to need you to turn to Revelation. Chapter 12, verse 11. And it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Okay, let's roll it back. That was verse 11. Verse 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night <laughs> and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony do you hear me now 
A lot of people are trying to figure out how to conquer the, their neighborhoods. The power of your testimony. A lot of people are trying to figure out how to conquer the attacks of the devil. Yes, he accuses. The power of your testimony counteracts that. Whenever God gave me this verse, he said, I need you to speak it at the end of the show. I need you to build up to it so people know. Everybody's wondering, oh, well, maybe my power is in spiritual warfare prayer. Yes, there is power in that, yes. But our real power and how we defeated the devil uh, and had him cast down was by the blood of the Lamb and our testimony. Regardless of how many accusations comes our way, how many times we are accused, and how the world will try to make us illegal, we overcome by our testimony and the power of the blood of the Lamb. I need you to think about this. I need you to revert back and reminisce on your own testimony with God. And then I need you to get up, brush yourself off, and fight the good fight. And stay true. And keep Jesus in perspective. It's not about all the frills and the lace and the additions and the extra details. It's not about that. Keep things in perspective. Keep Jesus first. Because <laughs> he even says, if you deny me, I will deny you before the Father. <laughs> Don't. Use that testimony. Because you won't be able to hide it. You won't be able to go back in the closet. You won't be able to do any of that. Because he will set a fire within you that will burn forth. And you will not be able to keep quiet. And as usual... It is always a joy to spend time with you folks every week and to bring you a message and a labor of love. It is also my prayer that you heard and received the message today. This is how we will conquer. Keep the basics in perspective. Anything else is excess. And keep the raw, unedited move of the Spirit of God flowing. Get your churches ready. Get your hearts ready. He's ready. And He's waiting on you. Lord willing, I will see you all next week. God bless you. And thank you for tuning in.